G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au While we're in Port Moresby, I got food poisoning. And so I went to a local doctor, happened to be an ex-student of ours. So he comes in and I said, oh, the administrators came around and wanted to know um, how I'm going to pay for it. He said, pay for it? He said, you're my papa. You're the one who directed me to become a doctor. Just so happened he owns the hospital. (laughs) And he said, you're not paying for this. You're my papa. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scadabo. Once again, our guest is David Odd, former missionary to PNG. Last time we were talking to him about how he came to be a missionary in Papua New Guinea and then became a Christian. <laughs> so that was not the usual way that people become missionaries and go on to the mission field. So we heard that story. Actually, what happened, just briefly to recap, he went there to serve as a school teacher and then met a local ordained minister who had been a translator for the Billy Graham Association. Through his association with them, he put his faith in Jesus Christ and then met David Odd, who was serving at the local school there, and then led him to the Lord as well. So then he became a Christian Five years after being there, was that right? It was about Correct, five years yes. into it. Yes, it was five years. Okay, and so you served for a total of 23 years as a missionary in Papua New Guinea. Correct. But that was not consecutive. It was three different stints? Yes, three different terms. Our first term was on New Island at a high school. That was for 11 years. Came back to Australia for about 19 years and then was called again to New Island to establish a Bible college. And the reason why you came back was because there was such a revival during your first term that you wanted to help those people grow. Is that right? Correct. Yes, yes. But um, the uh, original idea was to establish the Bible College a lot sooner than that. Not 19 years later. No, no. But um, for various reasons, yeah, it was 19 years. So we went there and, um, yeah, that Bible College um, took off. And uh, so after six years... I, I had trained up a, a local man to take it on, so he he took that on. Then I came back um, to Australia and uh, went into business for six years. Then was called again to start another Bible college in Port Moresby. So that was um, a further six years. So three terms altogether mm-hmm. and uh, 23 years all all up. So you helped to start two Bible schools, which are currently going and being run by the locals. Correct, yes. And we should say that the person who led you to the Lord, the local ordained minister, his name is Ben. Yes. You've been friends with him for all these years? Yes, yes. Still in touch, and he's still ministering. Going strong? Oh, I mean, he's in his 80s now, and um, 80 is a very old age for that country. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. So, And you've maintained that friendship for all those years. Certainly do. Hope to go back and see him 
this year sometime. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll have to find out your your new adventures <laughs> with Ben. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, well, now we want to talk to you about God's miraculous provision. So during those 23 years, during the three different stints you were there, there were times when you were in need, which happens to all missionaries. Yes, yes. But God miraculously provided at the last moment in miraculous ways just what you needed at just the right time. Correct. Well, let's hear some of those stories. Uh, okay. I guess one of my favorite ones is uh, provision of some shoes. Shoes. Now, shoes. who would think shoes would be a big yeah. deal? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was. But it is kind of nice if you don't have them. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is during our first term at the high school. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, um, for... Oh, almost from the start, just didn't wear shoes in Papua New Guinea. Um, you were a teacher? Yep. Without shoes? Yep. But um, the locals were the same. So like, that was the usual thing? Well, thongs were, you know, they'd flip mud up your back. Boots would rot out within a very short time. So it wasn't practical? Uh, no, it was just so muddy and wet and so on. Feet were the best uh, best form. So I, I would imagine that the soles of your feet were pretty tough after that. Oh, yeah, they got pretty tough. I played squash once, and uh, the guy couldn't believe it that I <laughs> I played squash without, <laughs> without shoes Is on. Is that right? So, yeah. well, so you could probably yeah. strike a match on the bottom of your uh, feet. Well, not it? quite that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they were, they were, they were tough. Yeah. Okay. And... And what's more, the uh, New Island is a coral island, and coral is pretty sharp. And you're walking so around without you're shoes. You're walking around without shoes, yes, yes. So at, at the school, we had a, a week at the end of the year, which we call our community outreach week, where we divide the students into groups of about 12, and they'd go into a village and do community work there, possibly help you know, an old person um, with their garden establish a garden for them or repair a house, do something in the local church, what, whatever. And so one day um, we had a group which went to the other side of the island. Now, New Island is a very long, skinny island. And to get to this uh, place, we had to drive down about 70 kilometres, then over the mountain, which was the backbone of the island, and then up the other end of the other side of the coast. So this group was there, their week had finished, and I went in the truck to pick them up. On the return, I, I went, picked them up, and we, we'd been going for about four or five kilometres, and the truck blew up, literally blew up. Blew up. The engine just, that that was it. Um, the con- Smoke all over the place? Uh, not so much smoke, but the conrod just went zoom, and fortunately it went down, not up. Because if it had gone up, somebody sitting on top of the engine would have been. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, not, <laughs> yeah. not a pretty picture. Okay. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> no. So that was it. No no thought of being able to repair it. It was just it was, totally it was done. Totally done. So I said to the students on board, right, you go and find some accommodation in the nearest village. Myself and this other student will walk over the other side and see if we can get something to... You mean all the way back? Not all the way back, but over to the other side of the island because mm-hmm. this uh, particular side we were on, just hardly any vehicles, certainly no no repair oh, facilities okay. and so on. Yep. So I start out on this coral road and uh, we're going... With no shoes. With no shoes. And we're going up the mountain, gets dark. 
We're walking on coral, going up the mountain, so you place your foot and it will slip and so on. And so despite having tough feet, uh, I was starting to really, um, really feel the pain. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So God said to me, well, pray for a pair of shoes. Just out of the blue. Just out of the blue. So here we are in the middle of the jungle. It wasn't no, like there was going to be a shoe store uh, just no, pop up. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> this was just all jungle. Didn't exist. Yeah. yeah, and no villages even. Just yeah, just there. And so, yeah, being the man of faith and power that I was, I said, "Yeah, Lord, it'd be great to have a pair of shoes." Amen. <laughs> that, that was my prayer. <laughs> and just a short time after that. Along the road, we see this light approaching. And so it comes along, and here's this guy with a lantern. And we say... Um, he's just know, walking? He's just walking. And just spoke to him, said, uh, hey, we, we, where have you been? I've been over the other side of the island fishing. Now, why would you leave one side to the other hmm. to go fishing when there's plenty of fish on the side? <laughs> I don't know. So that was one. So yeah. he just looked at me, and he said, would you like a pair of shoes? Really? Yeah. And I said, oh, I would love a pair of shoes. <laughs> now, at that time, that was so unusual. Papua New Guineans didn't have shoes. And if they did have, they'd be such a valuable thing yeah. for them. It'd be difficult for them to give away. Do you want a pair of shoes? Oh, I'd love a pair of shoes. Gives me his shoes. They fitted. And um, Just wait, did he take his off? He took them off and just gave them to me. Really? Yeah. You don't know who this person was? Never, never met him before, before and never saw him afterwards. I believe to this day it was an angel. Oh, wow. And uh, here were the shoes. And I don't know why, but I'd lost track of the shoes. I would have liked to have kept them. In, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But there we are. Yeah, Just at the right time. At the right time, the right size. I mean, I if I hadn't got those shoes, I would have would have been very difficult to complete that yeah because i was less than halfway through the through the journey so you were able to get them able to finish the journey get on to the other side of the island find some uh, somebody who could uh, come over pick up the students tow the truck back and uh, put a new engine in the truck wow god's marvelous miraculous provision at just the right time yeah yeah Our guest today is once again retired missionary David Ott, sharing about how God provided just what was needed at just the right time while he and his wife served in Papua New Guinea. Next, David will share more of his incredible stories of God's miraculous provision when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au.
Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guest today is once again retired missionary David Odd, sharing his incredible stories of God's miraculous provision of just what was needed at just the right time while he and his wife served as missionaries in Papua New Guinea. So, in our second term, uh, establishing the Bible College, we'd bought this old vehicle. Sorry, let me go back a little bit. When I first went there, I met with the bishop and a few of the senior men on the island, and they said, yeah, well, we've we've called you to start this Bible college, but we don't have any buildings, we don't have any money, we don't have any teachers, we don't have any students, and we don't have a curriculum. But other than that, um, Other than good. that, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're real set. <laughs> and I said to them, I said, you're asking or you're concentrating on the wrong things. I said, does God want this Bible college? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, then who will provide? Wow, that's faith. Okay, so we started off. And after a year or so, I got this old truck. Now, it was an old truck. When we left to go anywhere, it was debatable whether we'd come back. Hmm. You know, whether it'd break down. Might want to bring some shoes along. It was just not, <laughs> yes, a little bit like that. So here, here we are with this, and we had a work group come up from Australia to help us with some buildings. And on that work group was an older man who'd been a pastor of a church in, uh, in Australia. Um, he was also a builder, so he was, and he came into the town with me one day, and he said, David, what are you going to do about this transport? Because um, the truck's pretty old, and as you've said, you know, sometimes it comes back, sometimes it doesn't. I said, oh, well, I'm just uh, saving and believing, and that's, you know, that's it. That was all we said. Mm. The previous year, I'd said to the students, God is going to provide us with some transport, and it's going to be good transport. And that was that. That was that. All right, so this man went back to Australia, and about three months later, I received a phone call. And he said, David, if you really had your your wishes, what transport would you like? I said, I'd get a three or four ton truck and a twin cab utility. Okay, he said, how much would that cost? So I quoted him reconditioned ones. He mm-hmm. said, no, new ones. What would new ones cost? So I quoted him. Now, in those days, this was in about 2001, I think it was. In those days, they would have cost the equivalent of about $120,000. Wow. So he said, okay, go and order them. I said, what? Yep, go and order them. Yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 Is there more to this? (laughs) So, yep. How? Well, he said, uh, I was pastoring this small church. We were an aging congregation. We weren't getting any new converts, so we decided to just fold up. But we have some money, and we wanted to... uh, support some missions with it. So part of that money is going to go to your vehicles. Oh, well. And uh, so I, I said, you know, what? well, he said, I came up and saw your need and, and that was it. So here was this little group. There are only about 30 of them. They've been going for a number of years but faithfully tithing. Mm-hmm. And I just looked back and I said, God, you knew even then that there would be a need here and so you got this group 
to start yeah. putting away money and there. And so here we are. So I went and ordered the trucks. Now, the man I was working with who was going to take over the Bible college, I said to him, uh, come into town. I didn't tell him why. Oh, he didn't know. Uh, he okay. didn't know. He okay. didn't know. Come into town. So we go to town and walk past this place that's selling the vehicles, and here's the truck and the ute. We walked past and I said, gee, it'd be nice if we could have something like that, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, he said, that'd be great, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, right, eh? So we went and had lunch. <laughs> On the way back from lunch, I said, see those vehicles there? Yeah. I said, they're ours. <laughs> and he just started crying and oh, jumping wow. up and down and so on. And um, before we went into town, I told the students, now at that stage we had, oh, I think, about 50 students, I said, um, okay, now you're all to assemble in the classroom. And I gave them a time and I said, there's not one person to be missing. And they thought they were in trouble. Mm. And so uh, this other man, Eliuda was his name, Eliuda and myself, drove up with the new vehicles and here the students went wild. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I told them God was going to provide and they saw the provision. That's fantastic. Now, I want to go back to the school in general now you started off not having anything yes how were the other needs met like <laughs> that's a, a good question there i can honestly say i don't know when we had a need the money was there so building we're building teachers. a house we needed corrugated iron and a local businessman had said to me yeah i'll i'll pay for you corrugated iron so th- there was that no no you went there knowing that they didn't really have all the things technically yes. that you needed to have a Bible school. Didn't have a thing. They, they had some run-down mission buildings, old mission buildings, which they were about to bulldoze. That was it. And yet, when we went, we needed some timber, the money would be there for timber. And I perhaps should have kept a detailed diary, but mm. it just came in a bit here, a bit there, donation from a local. So one by just, one... Everything you needed to start this Bible school. So teachers, curriculum, the physical buildings and everything. Yeah, correct. Yep. And it's st- still going? Still going. And so when, when we left, after six years, we had two classrooms, three dormitories for students. We had 30 small houses for married students. We had the trucks that I just described. We mm-hmm. had mowers to mow the grass. We had chainsaws, um, furniture, staff houses. Abundant provision. Abundant. And there was not a time where I thought we needed something and we couldn't get it. Now, I'm talking about needs, not Mm -hmm. wants. Mm, But when we needed something, it was there. I'll give you an example from our own personal finances. Because we went there without any formal support if you like we were there by faith and trusting god that he would provide so one morning i sat down at breakfast table with my wife beryl and said um money's run out we don't have anything in in the bank or yeah anyway okay so we looked at each other over the table and started grinning we said well what's got up to now (laughs) i don't think that would have been my reaction and i definitely know that would not be my wife's reaction (laughs) you and beryl are very special (laughs) well uh, fortunately yes we are we we didn't stress Hmm. there's no stress 
So the uh, bishop who lived on the same campus as the Bible College went into town that day, came back in the afternoon, handed me an envelope and uh, opened the envelope and there's the equivalent of $400 in the envelope. Wow. I said, well, who was it who gave this to you? And he mentioned a lady, never met her before in my life, didn't know who she was. So $400, that's a fortune yeah. for a Papua New Guinean. Yeah. And uh, here is, there's God's provision again, and uh, just when we need it. Wow. And we, we've just proved time and again that uh, when you trust in him, yeah, I, I'm reminded of Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. And that includes material things as well as spiritual gifts and mm-hmm the wisdom you need, whatever. Yeah. All yeah. these things will be added to you. Now, in honor of the local language there in Papua New Guinea, could you say that same verse in Pidgin English? Okay. Pine him past time, kingdom belong God. Now behind all get us something, and we come long you. Okay, so there were a few words in there I recognize in English. So Pidgin English is obviously a combination yeah, it's not actually Pigeon English, it's Melanesian Pigeon, because the structure of the language is a Melanesian language. The vocabulary is a mixture of English, German, Portuguese, mm-hmm. Dutch. It's a trade language, if you like. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. So, All I yeah. know is uh, I, I remember hearing that a bicycle is called a wheel wheel. Wheelie wheel, yeah. Wheelie wheel, okay. Wheelie so wheel. for the two wheels. I always wondered what you would say if an 18-wheeler went by. Yeah, well, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you would not repeat wheel 18 times. You'd say, <laughs> big bullet truck. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go, there you go. Now, looking back on your three stints in Papua New Guinea and all of the different challenges that you faced, both financially and last time we were talking about spiritual and demonic uh, opposition and all that, do you think it was well worth your time and energy and, and the effort that you and Beryl put in? <laughs> Wouldn't change one day of it. Is that right? What was, what's the most fulfilling thing about it all? Becoming a Christian. <laughs> was, oh, yeah, well, it, yeah, I mean, we're going to get into basics. We're yeah. going up there to do good works, unsaved. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what would have happened if we died before that? Mm. Um, the Bible tells us not, it's, it's not good works that, that saves you. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's faith. And so that, that, that's the absolute pinnacle. But the others are just that seeing the change in lives, mm-hmm. seeing people without hope finding hope, seeing people who came out of a village, you know, just subsistence village, and now doctors, accountants, um, just marvellous. Could I tell you one more story of yes. provision? Mm-hmm. Okay, while we're in Port Moresby, I got food poisoning. And so I went to a local doctor, happened to be an ex-student of ours from the first term. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that student, when he was at at the high school, at the end of year 10, he had to put in an application for what he wanted to do beyond year 10. He put in that he wanted to be a mechanic. I said to him, I think you have more potential than that. Try to go to university. So he did that. That was the end of it. So then, here I am with this food poisoning, turn up. How many years later? Oh, about 26. So he says, look, you're going to have to go to hospital. So he puts me into hospital, and I'm, I'm there that night, and the next morning the administrators come around and said, well, Mr. Rod, how are you going to pay for this um, 
hospital stay. Because they need to know. They need to know, and it's expensive. I said, look, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to talk to the doctor. So he comes in, and I said, oh, the administrators came round and wanted to know um, how I'm going to pay for it. He said, pay for it? He said, you're my papa. He said, oh. you're, the, you're the one who directed me to become a doctor. It just so happened he owns the hospital. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> you, you're not paying for this. You're my, you're my oh. papa. So, okay, so I stay, I think it was three nights. And then on the day I'm discharged, comes out, he says, yeah, it looks like you can go, go back. He hands me an envelope. And here's a thousand dollars in it. Here's a, wow. And uh, you know, it's it just that's the sort of fruit that I see coming out of out of our work. It just that God is providing all along the way, mm-hmm. and then just to reinforce it or to make it even more special, He provides that sort of thing through mm-hmm. one of the people you helped. <laughs> so yeah. many years. Oh, that's fantastic. Before. Yeah. Your cup runneth it. over. Amen. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's beautiful. So it's so much more than just the provision of the finances. Oh, yes. It's the lives that have been changed. That's right. Yeah. That's that's the most precious thing. Yeah. Change lives. And, uh, you know, people without hope now past is bringing hope to others. Wow, that's fantastic. It's good. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today. Thanks, Eric. You've been listening to Real Faith, and if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next time for more conversations about God working in the lives of people who put their faith and trust in Him. That's real people, real life, and real faith. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.